What's up, soccer fans? Welcome to the Soccer Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Sahil Qatar, and as always, I'm joined by my brother, Nihal. What's up, Nihal? That, that, was, a, that was a crazy game. Man, dude, it is, it is so nice to have the U.S. men's national team playing competitive matches again. I mean, this is the first time since, what, 2017 that, that I felt this way, uh, or uh, going into a match, and... Man, that was awesome. That was awesome to watch, awesome to experience. What a crazy, crazy game. And, um, you know, we were talking on FaceTime a little bit before this, and I think something that was just so awesome to see was the passion of the players. I think terms like passion, effort, and energy are way overused in sports and don't really mean that much, honestly. But I think for a while there, we saw a pretty passionless U.S. men's national team. Um, You know, as much as I love players like Michael Bradley, they aren't that outwardly passionate, you know? But to see players like Weston McKinney and Christian Pulisic and Gio Reyna and John Brooks get up in the the faces of the Mexican players um, and, you know, just exude that type of passion is just so, so awesome to see. And it makes me more passionate about about the USMNT. I know, Sahil, that you... Had, I don't want to say fallen out of love, but you you had been. I don't mind that phrase. We've <laughs> really been the same since the U.S. failed to qualify for the World Cup. So how are you feeling after this game? Um, I'm feeling really good, and I think what you said kind of, I I kind of have a point going on that. I think um, it was one of those things that if we lost, I actually would have appreciated the effort. And I don't like, I, I'm not even like saying that, like, you know, I actually mean that. Like, I think if we lost this game, if they hit that penalty, then we lost in penalty. If they hit that penalty kick an extra time and then we lost in penalty kicks, I think I still would have been proud of the effort and it would have been a very fun game and, you know, still signal the start of a new era. And I mean, not really, you know, I don't, I don't, the era didn't just start obviously, but to me, this was yeah. This is this was the most excited I've been during and after a game in a long, long time. That that Ethan Horvath save in extra time on the Guardado penalty. I uh, I that that singular moment. I feel like that's been maybe my most excited moment since uh, I, I don't know. John the, saying that John Brooks had her seems like seems like a lot, but I was I was very very excited after that save. Were you more excited about the John Brooks header than say the Jermaine Jones goal? <laughs> No, no. Yeah, that came after. <laughs> that, that's in a World Cup. Wait, what do you mean that came afterwards? The, the Portugal game was after the Ghana game. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. yes. It's not, not, I guess it's I should have said it in the World Cup, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it, that was really cool. And, you know, you can say what you want about this tournament and this trophy. You know, the CONCACAF Nations League, I don't think is anything. It, was, it isn't something that really any of us were sold on. And it was kind of like, well, why? I would rather just play against, you know, a really good South American competition or, or whatnot um, in, in these international breaks. But I think 
having matches like this that mean something and that clearly means something to the players. I mean, it, it obviously mattered to them. And putting your team against the A team um, again, uh, of the other best teams in CONCACAF, I think it definitely means something. And it's something, it, it, it's a competition where the U.S. can continue to build um, and, and all these other all these other CONCACAF teams. So um, it was uh, kudos to CONCACAF, I guess. I mean, I, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think I've ever said that. Uh, but um, it was it was really great to have this tournament. And I think it's going to mean something and probably mean more than the Gold Cup going forward um, as, as this competition continues into the next World Cup cycle. All right. Yeah, I, I agree. I definitely agree. It definitely sold me more than I thought it would. Um, the U.S. played Mexico in Denver in the CONCACAF Nations League final, and they won 3-2, to two, obviously, assuming you've watched the game. But uh, do you want to go through the lineup? Sure. Yeah, let's start there. Um, so- the starting lineup? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so the U.S. came out in a 3-4-3. I'm interested to hear what you thought when, when the lineup dropped. The lineup actually dropped while I was driving. Um, so I, I, I don't think I got, like, the, the immediate reaction that I usually do an hour before kickoff. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of, of, of this 3-4-3 or the 5-2-3, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it leaves us a little bit too exposed in, in midfield. Uh, but uh, up top, we had uh, Christian Pulisic, uh, Josh Sargent, and Gio Reyna. Pulisic on the left wing, Reyna on the right wing. Um, in the midfield, we had Kellen Acosta and Weston McKenney. Serginho Dest was our left wing back with DeAndre Edlin as our right wing back. And our three center backs from left to right were Tim Ream, uh, John Brooks, and uh, Mark McKenzie with Zach Steffen in goal. What were your initial thoughts on this lineup and on this formation? Um, yeah, I mean, I didn't love it. I just, I didn't love the formation. Um, I was honestly, like, one of my first reactions was a little relieved that Kellen Acosta was starting, uh, in place of Jackson Yule. But yeah, I mean, I think I would have preferred to see a 4-3-3-3. I don't know if, um, Tyler Adams would have been good to play a full 120, but it would have been nice to see him starting next to Acosta and McKenney in the midfield if they could have done that, but um, and then also, you know, uh, Sargent, it would have been nice to see a different look at striker, but I, other than that, I mean, I, I think, you know, it, it made sense in terms of kind of keeping some continuity from what Greg's been doing in some of these previous games while also throwing a little bit of a, of a different wrinkle. Um, well, we I think, the, we, sorry, sorry, Saho, but we saw the same formation against Northern Ireland in the last international break. Um, against Jamaica, they played the 4-3-3 that we had been playing, and then we saw the uh, 3-4-3 against Northern Ireland. And I think a lot of the same issues um, were, were there in that game and in this game. I think when you have just two people in the midfield, two players in the midfield playing against a team like Mexico, those players need to be on point. And um, I also, like you said, I was relieved not to see Jackson Yule. I think I, if we were gonna if we were to do this again, I think I would much rather have seen Yunus Musa than Kellen Acosta, um, and I think he, out of all the midfielders in in the pool or in the camp right now, at least I think Yunus Musa might be the best at connecting play, and we yeah. didn't see him at all in these two in these two fixtures. Um, and I mean and that was the I feel like the central issue for stretches of this game, right? Right. It was. Right. It was. There was nothing, nothing connecting the defense to the midfield, nothing connecting the midfield to the attack. It was just kind of um, 
soaking up pressure and then not being able to release at all <laughs> for, for, for most of the game. I mean, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think um, we even against uh, Honduras, when we saw the 4-3-3, I think our, the 4-3-3 in this match actually functioned a little bit differently than we saw in Honduras. Uh, against Honduras, we saw the fullbacks pinch into the midfield. Um, and we saw our, our two eights in that game, um, which were uh, Weston McKinney and Sebastian LeJet, go wide. Um, and there was really no connection between between Jackson Ewell or um, the defense and the midfield. And it was just, uh, like you said, I was happy not to see to see Ewell. I think Greg really needs to go back to the drawing board a little bit and, um, you know, make sure we're putting our best players in in positions to, to – impact the game a little bit more um and you know i've i've always been a player players over system guy um uh, and you know that doesn't mean no tactics like Jurgen Klinsmann um but that just means putting your players that you have in the best position um to right. perform and i don't know if that i don't know even though we won i don't know if that really occurred uh tonight yeah i mean i think um, you know, especially in the first half, it felt like Serginio Dest and Christian Pulisic were largely not that effective, partly, you know, due to their own doing, but also because it felt like they were, you know, trying to force the issue to connect play when ideally, you know, that wouldn't be their responsibility. They could get the ball with space in front of them and, you know, go forward. But For sure, for sure. And, I I, mean, and, and maybe we should briefly talk about uh, Mexico's uh, formation, they played, I mean, I, I don't really, it was like a 4-3-3, 3-4-3 hybrid with Edson Alvarez sort of oscillating between uh, the number six and, and center back. Um, he, he's a really versatile player. Uh, they had Tecatito Corona um, and Uriel Antuna a, as their wingers. And then uh, Irving Lozano, Chucky Lozano playing as a false nine, which is really interesting to see. Um, yeah. And then and then you had um, uh, Jesus Gallardo at uh, left back, uh, Luis Rodriguez at right back or right wing back, however you want to view them. Um, and then in the in the midfield you had uh, Hector Herrera and Carlos Rodriguez. Um, so and then obviously Memo Ochoa in goal. Um, and then uh, in in the back three you had uh, Hector Moreno, your your Roma boy. Um, and uh, Nelson uh, or Ernesto Arujo, um, and and again Edson Alvarez. So um, you know, I, I, I it was a really interesting formation, and, and we heard in the broadcast um, that apparently Tata Martino uh, didn't practice yesterday or something, just to make sure the lineup didn't leak, which I found interesting. Um, obviously, Mexico is missing Raul Jimenez after that uh, horrible injury that he suffered, that horrible head injury that, that forced him into surgery, and um, he's missed uh, most of the season now for Wolves, or, I mean, the season's over, but missed most of the season for Wolves in England. Um, so seeing, seeing Chucky Lozano up top was interesting, and you had um, two really dynamic win wingers in Uriel Antuna and um, uh, Tecatito Corona. Um, I mean, those guys are just so dangerous. Antuna's a much more direct player. Corona can... I've, I feel like uh, Jesus Corona, I felt like this for a really long time. I feel like he's one of the more underrated wingers in the world. I feel like he could, and he's played a lot of fullback for Porto, by the way, but I feel like he could play really uh, really at the top of any of the top leagues in the world. I mean, he, that guy is just dynamic and direct, and um, he gave uh, DeAndre Yedlin and, and Mark McKenzie fits. 
um, and you know he he was uh, his pressure and his high press directly led to that first goal when Mark McKenzie turned it over. Yeah, was trying to play it out of the back. I think trying to pass to Yedlin and Tecatito just took it and just uh, begged Stefan for that goal in the second minute. That was uh, not the best start to the game, but it wasn't a beg. It was just in the top top bins. Oh, it wasn't? <laughs> yeah, it was just, it went to, it was like uh, Landon Donovan against uh, Slovenia in 2010. Okay, gotcha. He just powered that home. Oh, I mean, that was, <laughs> it was a great Must finish. have been some kind of optical illusion. Yeah, I thought, I thought, I thought that was, yeah, I thought it was a meg, but yeah. Well, usually <laughs> when the goalkeeper's in that position and they don't go, if you, you go, don't go near a far post, it's usually a meg uh, in that situation, but he just, he just powered it home. Um so I, yeah, I mean McKenzie. Yeah, McKenzie just not the greatest of games. Um, you know, obviously that handball in extra time gave Guardado the chance to you know send it into penalty kicks at the end there. And um, I think it was I, a penalty, but there was not much he could have done there. I, I don't think. Um, uh, yeah, Mark I, McKenzie did not have a great game in the first half. I thought he really bounced back in the second half, though. Uh, I mean, he's just such a good passer, and you can tell. I mean, he's so young. He has a lot of potential as a defender, too. He had some really nice uh, moments where he was able to cut out play and um, and step into passing lanes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he, he's got a lot of growing to do, but he's going to be extremely, extremely important in World Cup qualifying, especially with Aaron Long's... Um, uh, injury. Uh, he's going to miss significant time. Chris Richards, we don't know how healthy he is right now. So uh, Mark McKenzie is going to be getting minutes uh, in World Cup qualifying in, in this fall. So he, he, it was a good learning experience for him, and hopefully he can learn from his mistakes that he made today and um, and and translate that into positive performances uh, this fall. So yeah, I th- I thought there were a few times he kind of messed up the offside trap too. Tried to tried to play a couple. Uh, Mexican attackers on offside, and then they still got chances. I I can't remember uh, off the top of my head if he was at fault. Oh no, no, he was not. At, he was not at fault for that uh, for the uh, second Mexico goal, but at all. But um, yeah, uh, the disallowed yeah. goal or or the second, the second goal, the Diego Linez goal. He was not at fault. For oh, that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. That was uh, uh, Linez beat Tim Ream just one on one, and then Acosta could have you know helped him out a little bit, but didn't really. And he beat Ethan Orvath near post. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, you know, in our group text with, with some of our friends, like we were all like, oh God, Diego Linez is coming on and Tim Reams at left back. And this is going to be, um, this is not going to be good. Uh, and, and Tim Reams is an interesting player. I, I think, I mean, I'm not the biggest fan. USMNT Twitter obviously aren't big fans either. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't really know what to do with him. He definitely can't be left back. But w- what I did want to talk about was, was Dest. Two really poor performances from him um, in these last two games. He just didn't show up. He had really bad touches today. Wasn't good going forward. And, you know, you have to give a lot, a lot of credit to Luis Rodriguez. Um, I mean, he sort of shut uh, shut down, shut him down. I mean, he was just man-marking Dest on that left side there. So, um, And Dest, I think, is just a little... Uh, sometimes it just feels like he's a little lazy tracking back. Um uh, I mean, we all know that he's an attacking fullback. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think he does need to do a little bit better with the U.S. And, you know, all these guys are so talented. Uh, Christian Pulisic, Eugenio Dest, Gio Reyna. They're so talented. 
But they have to get used to the fact that when they come back to CONCACAF, they are the best. They are the best players. They are going to get a ton of attention. You know, when, when Christian Pulisic is on the field for Chelsea, they still have uh, Kai Havertz, uh, Mason Mounts, Kovacic, Timo Werner, um, uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi, Hakeem Zayach, whoever's on the pitch with him. I mean, they still have yeah. all of those guys. He's not going to demand nearly as much attention. Um, same with Serginho Dest. I mean, he's a, he's a fullback for Barcelona. So, I mean, you have Leo Messi and uh, Usman Dembele and, and everyone else they have on the pitch. So um, those guys are going to learn, uh, and they're going to be able to, to get better. They're, they're all, again, so young. But um, really disappointing performances from, I think, all of our best players, really, these last couple of games. Weston McKinney had, I think, a really nice defensive game, and especially in the second half and, and extra time. But... Um, Especially when we were just playing that two-man midfield, it was just not not going well for him. He was constantly constantly missing the right uh, pass. Um, there were a couple of times Pulisic missed the right pass, and sometimes you feel like these guys get a little frustrated and they try to do too much in the final third, um, and that that ends up not working out. Not working. Yeah, out that guys. happened a lot. I, I think um, I remember specifically. I think there was a counterattack in uh, in the late second half. McKenney, it felt like he could have made the extra pass and just shot it from like near near the eighteen uh, yard mark, and he just, uh, yeah, just a lot of like botched counterattacks, a lot of a lot of things that you'd like to get cleaned up. But it, I mean, the effort was there, and um, you know, Gio Reyna, I I thought you know this was one of his best body language games ever. I thought. <laughs> I just like that he's channeling his body language uh, at his teammates into contempt for the opponent. That's what I want to see. <laughs> I mean, that's okay. the transition you want. I but, want. But Weston McKenney is is the he's the he's my favorite. You, I've already told you this like before right. on this podcast before. But I mean, this guy is awesome. Like he was not perfect by any means today. I mean, lots of bad passes, but he his effort. Like, can you tell that he was tired? Could you tell that he was tired at all? Like, <laughs> oh man, no. He's he's just he's a dynamo, man. Like he's, on it. The way he plays, the way he acts, like, you just cannot tell. Like, he's he's um, just, yeah, 100% effort always. He's, captain, I, I he's captain material. Although the U.S. is undefeated with Christian Pulisic at captain. 4-1-0. So, maybe he does yeah. something. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe that does something. Um, uh, we got you know, a lot of guys. We got a lot of guys. You got Weston McKenney and Tyler Adams and John Brooks. Those guys feel like captain material, all three of those guys. Too. Yeah, I'd like to see John Brooks. Uh, yeah, he's he's done a lot for this club. Or not for this club. <laughs> how, how do we have all of these guys and John Brooks is somehow still our best player? Like, I really don't understand it. Um, like, he's so good, man. He's so good. And... You know, at times he gets when he gets isolated, he's not the greatest. But today, I thought was one of his better performances defensively. Um, you know, cutting out balls, being in the right position, um, snuffing out uh, attacks, covering for Tim Ream um, and McKenzie, and uh, and really commanding that back line. It seems like he's gotten so much more vocal over the last couple of years, um, and and has become just a true leader in that back line. Um, so glad to have John Brooks on this team. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, I, uh, yeah, he, he had a decent game. I think he was much, it's probably easier to be better against Honduras, but th- he was just fantastic in that game. <laughs> this game, I thought he had a couple bad giveaways. You, you don't want to get yellow cards as a center back in the, the first 10 minutes, but yeah, he, he, I mean, he, he was, you know, the lifeblood of that def- defense and without him, I mean, I could have seen us conceding many more goals. So for sure. And I, I wanted to talk about Pulisic for a second, because, um, 
and I don't think I, for whatever reason, I don't, I haven't seen really anybody talk about this, but so that, that first, that first goal, um, Gio Reyna off the McKenney header off the post, finished it off a corner. And then the second one, the McKenney header off of Pulisic, Pulisic took both of those corners, right? He took all of our corners. Yeah, he, t- he takes all of our corners on both sides. So, I mean, he essentially, like, he, he gets two assists. And not only that, like, we were dangerous from nearly every corner we took. Like, so many shots on target. So, like, I mean, even though Pulisic in the run of play was not, like, one of our best players, I, I think, like, I mean, obviously a difference maker today from those corners and those set pieces. You mean to tell me your most technical players are good at corner kicks? I mean, wow. <laughs> I, I mean, why? No, no, no. Why is, why, no, no, no. I'm not saying you. I'm just saying, like, why? I like Sebastian Legend. I think he can I can, he can, put a good ball in. But why is Christian Pulisic not in all of our corner kicks? And his penalty was great tonight, too. I mean. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I was so nervous for that because I just did not know who would take the penalty. I mean, none of these guys. We have not had a good penalty kick taker since Landon Donovan. Um, so, you know, I just didn't know what to expect and he just absolutely buried that. So, yeah, you know, I think Christian Pulisic, the place where he has really improved, uh, at Chelsea, um, is his final ball and his delivery. Um, a lot of times when he was at Dortmund, he would put the ball in, uh, I mean, I'm talking more in the run of play now, but he would put the ball in without looking up and would just fizz the ball across the, the, the face of the goal without really picking out anyone. It seems like, I mean, he, it doesn't seem like he has gotten much more deliberate. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that's really exciting to see. And it's, it's hard it's hard to remember that this guy is, what, 20, 22? Is he 22? I mean, he, in the 2026 World Cup, he'll be, he'll be 27. I mean, you know, he's still so young. All these guys are so young. Um, and it's just nice to see a team that we've been so excited about seeing our full A-team come together and actually win something. Um, And I think, you know, I don't think it can be understated how much confidence this is going to give these guys. Um, And, you know, I I think it's been tough for the last few years um, for all of us, and especially for a guy like Christian Pulisic, um, you know, with the U.S. men's national team. This is just a huge jumping-off point for them, I think, and hopefully Greg can be a little bit more adaptable um, um, with his tactics. He reminds me a bit of uh, a bit of Coach Budenholzer. I think I've made this comparison before um, with the Milwaukee <laughs> yeah. Bucks, just the rigidity and not really being able to adapt in-game. But um, uh, hopefully, hopefully Greg can improve on that, and I think um, the realization of, okay, we need to take Tim Ream off, Diego Linus is on, and we need to switch to a 4-3-3 is good. I just wish those things happened uh, earlier. So, um, Right. Instead of, like, you know, in basketball, it's like you want to make the changes before you lose a game. You want to make the changes before you concede a goal. Yeah, here. <laughs> oh, no, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, I can't believe – I can't but not believe Linus was not on this roster, was not on the Nations League roster. He, he yeah. has not had the best of time at, at Betis, at Real Bet- Betis, um, or Betis, sorry. Um, so, you know, he, he I, it's understandable he wasn't in the greatest of form, but, I mean, the kid is just so talented. Um, and, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what it, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it just seems like, I, I don't think these players are better than our wingers, but it seems like they're always just more dangerous. I don't know if that's because of our defenders or, and their defenders, um, but, I mean, it would just be nice to get our players in those types of positions. Um, so, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think Alvarez maybe kind of enabled them to get into more dangerous positions when he pushed up into that, you know, defensive midfield role to allow some of those uh, to allow to get you know the forwards in space um, and the wingbacks. But yeah, so maybe we could have used that. But yeah, definitely for sure. It just it just felt like uh, yeah. The, the Mexico, I mean, they outshot us. They had more possession. And, you know, that, that definitely checked out with me. This this was not a game where you were very comfortable. Lots of, you know, uh, look, almost, you know, you have to look away, like, while Mexico's outside the box. But they held their own. I mean, we have to say something about um, Zach Steffen going down in the second half and Ethan Horvath coming on. I mean, made a couple key saves and just so, so steady. And you can, you can have a, your... Uh, your, your Ethan Horvath monologue here, because I know you've been pretty high on him for, I mean, just pretty much ever since he's, you know, been in the poll. Well, I mean, I, I am a big Ethan Horvath uh, fan. Um, you know, it's been tough for him at Club Bruges. He's made a couple of mistakes. Um, and they, uh, I, th- it was, I think it was a couple years ago now, they signed uh, uh, Simone Mignolet. So he's been sort of a backup, really, um, um, for Mignolet over at Bruges. But uh, he he's a really great shot stopper. I think he's just as good, if not better, distributing the ball than Zach Steffen. I mean, I was in, I was uh, impressed with his distribution tonight, and it was really really nice to see him get his moment in his hometown of Denver. Uh, when Steffen came went down, I you know I, I texted in the group chat. I, I don't think I mean I think that that Ethan Horvath is just as good, and I think he is just as good. Um, and you know Zach Steffen, I, I really like. I just don't really understand why he's the de facto number one. I don't think he's done nearly enough to prove that he is the de facto number one. So players you think like, Bruges is better than Manchester City? Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think. I, <laughs> look, Manchester City signed Mix Discrude, so I don't know what you. I don't know what that means <laughs> that much if you're not playing. Um, but uh, you know, I think players like uh, David Ochoa. Uh, who was on the bench tonight? Um, Ethan Horvath and Matt Turner, hopefully at, at this Gold Cup coming up, can can show what they what they have, and hopefully Ethan Horvath can can make a move this summer um, to a better team where where he can prove that he he's he's just as good and and can be our number one. And I can't believe we went 24 minutes without talking about him. But um, you know, the first save, the first really good save he had, I actually thought he could have done better on that. Um, I feel like he could have just caught that. Um, but he did. A, he had a strong hand and, and parried it wide. The second save was really good. Uh, obviously, the penalty save after getting, you know, just absolutely bodied in the chest by Hector Herrera, who I don't know how was not sent off after the, the challenge after that. Um, but, you know, he, he came back and, and he was able to save the penalty. And not only that, he saved the penalty and he was right back in the game, right? The, the ball was still in play and he was directing the defense. And um, just really calm from him. Um, you know, you, some might argue he could have done better better on the line as goal. But, I mean, he, I, I don't think he really had a great sideline. Um, but uh, it, it seemed like he was a little bit out of position. I don't know how you feel about that. It's not like line as a shot was in the corner. Um, yeah, I think there were like three U.S. defenders in front of Linez. It was kind of, it, yeah, I, I think he, his sideline was kind of messed up. But, I mean, yeah, he could, probably could have done a little better there. Yeah, I mean, but but again, I mean, a really good performance from him. That was a really good goal by Mexico, by the way. I mean, Chucky, like, attracted, like, I think he took Brooks uh, and McKenzie, like, out of that play and then got got um, uh, Linez into that one-on-one situation with Tim Ream, so... Uh, that, that was a good goal. That was a good goal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know, dude. It, it, 
Diego Linez on on Tim Ream just it it kind of reminds me. I mean, it feels like it feels like if you put like Kyrie Irving against like Tristan Thompson. <laughs> I don't know. Like that's 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 how scary it feels in, in that situation to me. Um, so. <laughs> It, I'm glad that we were able to adjust and, and move Acosta to left back and, and change to that 4-3-3. And we didn't really talk about that tactical change much. I mean, we, we've alluded to it. Um, but the U.S. just looked so much more comfortable, and it was so much easier for them to connect play. And it seemed like Pulisic being able to drop a little bit deeper and a little bit more space on the left side was able to impact the play a little bit more. Um, so, how, I mean, how do you evaluate Greg's performance tonight? Um... I think his biggest mistake was probably not cap tying Yunus Musa. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I mean, how, like, okay, take out the tactics for a second, or just like how good you think Musa is. Like, was that a mistake to not have him play in either of these games? You mean just from a cap tying perspective? Yeah, just from a cap tying perspective. I mean, he did declare for the. I US. Mean, yeah, right. He did declare, so I mean, it's like, and, but like, I mean, if I, I was Musa, I'd be kind of pissed off. I feel like. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I was. I was. I'm sure they've had a lot of good conversations. Musa's not been in the greatest form either recently, um, but I'm weird, so I was just I was just watching Musa <laughs> during the the award celebration of the trophy <laughs> ceremony, and he looked happy. psychoanalyzing him. Yeah, he looked happy. So, um, you know that that's what. Anyways, that's what matters. <laughs> yeah, back to your question. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought he could have pushed some buttons a little quicker. I thought he could have, um, I thought he could have uh, brought Dest and Cannon on at the same time if he wanted to switch to that four three three, but take Reem off for um, Cannon to actually have you know a, a fullback that can that can keep up with Linez on that side. Um, but and yeah, and I mean, I you know, I I, I like we've talked about. It, I just didn't you know, necessarily love coming out with a two-man midfield against better opposition. So, I mean, not better opposition, better opposition, you know, relative to other CONCACAF teams. But, um, yeah, um, and it just, uh, yeah, I, I'd I would have liked to see Tyler Adams come in a little earlier. It felt like the game was kind of frantic and he didn't really get to, you know, make a stamp on the game like I think he could have, you know, playing a full, uh, um, uh, you know, even just like, even just like a full second half. Um, but I thought Tyler Adams did do a pretty good job, um, helping out, uh, on that, uh, helping out, uh, on that left-hand side when Mexico was attacking there. So, um, what did you think of Adams' performance coming off the bench? I thought he was really good. I mean, he's just such a good defender, um, and, and just being in the center, central, uh, center of the park, it just helps so much. And like you said, he was able to help on the left side. I mean, I think Kellen Acosta is just faster than Tim Ream. Um, and he's had, he's had a lot of experience at left back, but I mean, I still don't feel super confident with Kellen Acosta there against Lina. So having Adams there to help right. cover, um, I think is super important. And I think, you know, Adams, um, I mean, he's just such a solid player. I think, you know, the thing about Jackson Ewell is no one's going to argue Jackson Ewell's better, but against Switzerland and against Honduras, Jackson Ewell was not doing the things that he's supposed to be good at. He was missing pass easy passes. He was not he passed backwards a lot. He wasn't looking forward um when he could have. He wasn't making half turns. Um so if he's not going to give you all of that and he's a trash defender, then I mean 
you know, it's very clear that we need someone else in there. Um, and if Tyler Adams is not going to play um, and he's going to be injured because he always seems to be injured, I guess Alan Kalen Acosta is, is the best option we have right now. But I really would like to see someone like James Sands from New York City FC come in um, and, and get a good look uh, during the Gold Cup. Because, uh, you know, uh, right now our, our, our second choice, number six, might be – I mean, there's just so much more – important than maybe it should be but it really is um i know that's not really the question you asked me but i just it got me thinking about how seeing him on the pitch just reminds you of how important he can be for this team um in in helping the u.s dictate play and 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 cut out opposing attacks so i was impressed with tyler adams i mean he's just a solid player another player i was super impressed with was um tim weah i mean it's really direct i love tim weah he was um Really direct, and that dude, that sprint from the top of uh, the U.S. box all the way to yeah. Ochoa, that yeah. was insane. <laughs> He's so yeah. fast. That was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Dad was complaining about something, so I didn't really get to enjoy that as much as I wanted to. But yeah, that is... <laughs> uh, that does. Uh, Dad was complaining. That doesn't sound like him. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think Tim Way really impressed me. But you know, someone we haven't talked about yet is DeAndre Edlin. And this was his first appearance since was it 2017 or 2018? Um, he's had a, he had a really tough go of it at, at Newcastle United for the past year and a half, two years, and he got the move to Galatasaray and has been playing really well. I was surprised to see him start, but he I thought did did really well tonight defensively and going forward. I think he probably would have had had a really nice chance if the ball didn't bounce weirdly um, uh, that one time when he was streaking down the sideline. Um, right, on McKenny's pass, right? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was yeah. so weird. I don't know what that was. But um, I was I was impressed with DeAndre Yedlin's performance tonight. What did you think? Yeah, I thought he did kind of exactly what we wanted him to do. Got up on both sides of the pitch. Uh, was a constant force down that right-hand side. Showed a lot of pace. Doesn't seem like he's lost his steps since he was playing in 2013 and 2014 for the U.S. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I like seeing him there, and I think he'll... Uh, be a useful third fullback maybe uh, going into World Cup qualifying. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see really why Reggie Cannon is, is better than him at this point. Um, but so, so I mean, I, I, I think Greg probably feels the same way. So um, it was nice to see him out there. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, overall, I think it was just, it was a good performance from the U.S. Obviously, you know, it was... I'm very euphoric <laughs> for, for them to win. Um, and there's just nothing like international competitive soccer, man. I, I, I'm i not saying like it's like superior to everything else, but there's just nothing quite like it. And it's really just so incredible to be have your team a part of that again. <laughs> and I, I know I'm not the only one who feels that way right now. Um, oh, uh, sorry. I forgot what I was going to ask you about before you know we wrap it up is, is Josh Sargent. And I think I still think strikers is a pretty big hole right now. Yeah, I think we, we <laughs> need to see Josh Sargent make a move this summer. Um, uh, Werder Bremen got, got relegated. It seems like he does have interest in, in, in the mid table of the Bundesliga. He needs to get a move this summer where he can work on making the right runs into the box, being more aggressive. He, he missed... Um, I mean, it wasn't an easy chance, but he, he missed yeah. an open goal tonight. Yeah. Um, you know, we know how good he is at dropping in. 
but he needs to be better when the pass is not perfect and right at his feet. He needs to be better at making decisive runs in the box. Um, yeah, that run that or that shot that Sergeant missed, I actually thought McKenny could have laid it off to him, yes, you know, before about. he shot. Yes, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, before, well, yeah, and Pulisic but... missed him making an incredible run um, early on. Um, and you know, Josh Sargent, I think against Honduras, he got himself into really good positions on that Reina run, marauding run through midfield where he put it wide. Josh Sargent was, you know, wide open. He could have just squared it to Josh Sargent, and it would have been a tap in. So I mean. Again, Josh Sargent, also 20, 21 years old, still really young, still has got a long way to go. At, at this age, um, uh, you know, I think Clint Dempsey was still in his senior year at Furman. Um, so, you know, Josh Sargent, he still can improve. Uh, but, um, you know, Jordan Ciabicho, um I, I'm not sold on him either. I think he's just a little bit too slow. Um, I'm excited to see Daryl DK potentially this summer. Um because I, I think he, he just has a lot of potential, and I think he's a much better technical player than people give him credit for. Um, so, I, 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 we, you know, we have to see if Daryl DK um, can be that guy or if someone else can come through the pool. You know, something that I'm interested in potentially seeing is, you know, I know Tim Weah said he didn't like playing striker, but I'd like to maybe see him at striker. Uh, Christian Pulisic played a little bit of that false nine or, you know, really that, that lone striker up front for Chelsea this year. So seeing a front three of uh, Wea, Reyna, and Pulisic is definitely something I'm interested in, and, you know, having them maybe be... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, regardless, I mean, Timothy Wea has played a lot of striker in his career, and I think, um, you know, when it comes down to it, if you're in really important matches, you want to get your best players out there, and Wea is one of our best three forwards, I think, so, uh, I, yeah, I, I would certainly, I feel like if you had to, you know, if we had to go and play it, our most competitive match right now, I think I would have Pulisic, Wea, and Reyna as our front three. Well, this was our most competitive match. Um, right. <laughs> so, so yes, I do kind of question Josh. That's what I said. I mean, I, I before, I, I think Josh Sargent, I mean, he's just yet to kind of really show me that he is, you know, making an impactful difference. But I believe in his, his career going forward. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, it's not like we don't have other players who can come off uh, the bench and play on the wing if we, you know, I, I get hat wanting way as sort of that impact sub, but we do have someone like Brendan Aronson as well. Um, that being yeah. said, it's going to be important to have depth at every position, having three fixtures um, every international break um, for for World Cup qualifying. So, um, any other thoughts on this game, man? Um... I don't. I don't think so. I think we kind of touched on. We didn't really um, talk about the goals uh, Aco- that much, but I thought. Aco- yeah, I, I thought Acosta was kind of just invisible throughout uh, most of regulation, at least. Um, once he switched to left back, I mean, I think yeah, he actually looked I better agree. there. I agree with that. He was pretty invisible, but I do think he was a little bit better than I thought he would be technically. Um, yeah. The other thing is, yeah, like, Sebastian Legette, I. I you know how I love Sebastian Legette in the early, in the early Soccer Brothers days. I was just clamoring for him. I don't know if you remember that, um, but I was clamoring for Vaguely. Sebastian Legette to be part of the U.S. Men's National Team. But I just—he's just not—he's just, not, just not our one of our best three midfielders. Yunus Musa should be in this midfield. He can—he can connect play. He can turn on a dime and push forward. 
He can defend. He's got to be in our midfield over Sebastian Legette, too. So hopefully we see that going forward. Um, but other than that, for me, I don't, yeah, really have, I, agree. I don't really have any other thoughts on this match. Yeah, uh, super fun, super fun match. Uh, oh, God, I was, like, so nervous throughout most of the game, and our AC was not working. Or AC's not working in the family room. Yeah, so my AC's yeah. not working, too. I was sweating the entire time. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, uh, like, I really sweaty right now. I put them on my forehead. <laughs> it was uh, it was an intense match, but like I said, man, it feels good to have an intense match with this team um, and for it to go our way for once. So um, super exciting stuff. And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned Christian Pulisic being dangerous on his um, deliveries on set pieces. But, man, Weston McKinney is a weapon on those. Um, right. And- I mean, that's that one of the those two guys, I think, won you the game. I mean, even how uneven they were. Right. From, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that cannot be like, I feel like when you remember this game, like there's so many other things that happened. But Pulisic was huge in winning because he, he hit the penalty, obviously. And then he he had basically two assists. I mean, you, you can give McKenny the assist on the first one, whatever. I don't know even know if either of them get credit on the assist for that, but right. I don't think either of them do. But, uh, right. Um, and obviously the conduct of some of the fans there was disappointing um, with yes. the throwing the stuff and uh, obviously the chant, which, you know, I was I was listening from the very beginning because the game was stopped against uh, Costa Rica as well because of the chant um, towards the end of the game. And I was listening at the beginning of the match and I couldn't really hear it, so I was like, okay, that's good. And then the game was stopped momentarily. The chant has... But I could hear it when the, when that chant happened. Uh, yeah, I could. I hear. I heard it too at the towards the end. But the first couple of times, I didn't hear it. Did you yeah, on the first couple of goal kicks. No. So did they get to stage two of the of the process? I don't think the... so. I think it was just stage one. So um, then I think I heard the the only time. I guess. Yeah. Unless unless there was multiple. Times I, that, me it, too. Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't feel like I heard it. But prior to that, so. Um, you know, there's no place for that chant in our game, regardless yes. of whether you think that's exa- that's actually, you know, the intent of the word. Um, that is a meaning of that word. And I think it's just all you have to do is imagine if you were a, um, a queer player on the pitch and you heard that, I think, you know, it, it is Pride Month, too. So I think it's really important for us to keep that in mind and, and keep the humanity of our players in mind. It's not just Mexican fans, either. I think it's it's a little bit disappointing to see some of the um, remarks regarding Mexican fans that are, are, are weirdly racial. Like, I get being frustrated at the fans who threw the stuff. Um, and it's not like, you know, and I know that, you know, it's not the first time Mexican fans have thrown things but i mean as we've seen across american sports this last few weeks they're not the only people who are throwing things so like it's just something that has to stop um and i just want to you know it was really disappointing to see some of that uh some of those comments geared towards mexicans as people um because that's for sure that's not that's not right um i will say i think the players need to be more vocal like they just need to be more vocal um and and you know until the Mexican player got hit with the bottle, they weren't saying anything. So the, the players, um, so they they have to be more vocal and and hopefully hopefully this starts this stuff starts to uh, go away go, going forward. And, yeah. And, and and Concacaf, I really do believe Concacaf needs to step in. And if if Mexico and whoever you know whatever team has fans that are doing this going forward. Um, 
if they continue to do this stuff, you know, yeah, you got to take away their home games, have them behind closed doors. That's really the only. That's really the only thing that's going to change that. So, um, sorry, I don't want to extend this too much and you know belabor the point, but I just thought it, it would. It's worth mentioning. Yeah, absolutely. There's you know no place in football or anywhere for that matter for those discriminatory chants and any of that fan behavior. Just uh, please be decent human beings right. and. And again, you know, you know we, were, we were at the, the Columbus-Portland final um, MLS Cup a few years ago when, when Greg Rose was, was the coach, and when when Portland scored, the, the people in Nordeca were throwing stuff at the Portland players. So, you know, it, again, it's not just Mexican fans. Like, I, I, it's just something – these people are humans. Stop treating them like – Yeah, we've been seeing it in the NBA, you know, so uh... – for the past, uh, you know, <laughs> since fans have been let back in stadiums, it's it's ridiculous and um, it's obviously widespread and it needs to be stopped. These people playing on the field are, are humans and they deserve to be treated as such. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, people people need to be better. Um, Absolutely. And let's hope they can. And I think at least this, uh, in terms of the uh, anti-discrimination policy from CONCACAF, it's a good start because I think it has changed, um, you know, it, Threatening to pause the game and stop the game, I think, is kind of working. So hopefully we can see that continued into the Gold Cup and beyond. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Speaking of the Gold Cup, man, big summer of soccer. Make sure you guys are subscribed to this podcast if you're listening on SoundCloud or Spotify or something so you don't miss any of our breakdowns or recaps of the Gold Cup, Copa America, Euros. I'm not going to say we're not going to have, like, podcast every day but you know we'll talk about the big matches and, and record when we can Sahal and I both work um, but uh, you know we have those and we also have the US women's national team competing at the Olympics going for another gold medal so uh, exciting summer of soccer Sahil yep I'm very excited and uh, you can uh, email us at soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com you can Find us on Instagram at Soccer Bros Pod. That's also our Twitter handle. And you can find us Soccer Brothers Podcast on Facebook. Review and rate us. iTunes, uh, Google Play. Are we on Spotify? I always we forget. are on Spotify now, yes. Okay, yes. <laughs> and Spotify. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, guys. See you guys next time for the next episode of the Soccer Brothers Podcast.